0: Episode 25, Back to Egypt We Go. Moses had everything packed up and ready to go to Egypt, but like most times when traveling, they had a hiccup on the road. The Lord wanted to kill him. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Once Moses agreed to go back to Egypt to bring the Israelites out of slavery, at least he didn't raise any more objections. He went back to his father-in-law and told him that he was heading back to his brothers in Egypt to see if they were still alive. It could have been that because Moses married Jethro's daughter, he may have been adopted into the tribe or family and needed to inform the patriarch of the family, especially since Moses was a shepherd working for Jethro keeping watch over his father-in-law's sheep. His father-in-law, Jethro, sends Moses with a blessing to go in peace and in good health. This is where Moses is informed by God that those who seek him in the past have died and are no longer seeking his life. This would be the king of Egypt that was seeking to kill Moses when he first fled 40 years ago from Egypt. So Moses takes his wife, his sons, placing them on a donkey and heads back to Egypt with the staff of God in his hand. In Exodus 4 verse 21, it says that the Lord tells Moses that when you go back to Egypt to do all the miracles that he has shown Moses, the staff turning into a snake, the hand into the cloak, and the water turning into blood. But God tells Moses that he will harden the king's heart so that he will not let the people go. Then God says in verse 22 that Moses will say to the king of Egypt that Israel is the firstborn of God and that the king is to let go of God's son so that they may serve him. But if the king were to refuse to let them go, God would kill the king's firstborn son. So many people have debated about God hardening the heart of the king of Egypt, saying how can it be that God is causing the king's heart to be hardened? Didn't God give free will to the people? Yet it seems that God is taking the free will of the king. Therefore." God is the one setting the king up for failure. Or is he? Let's take a look at what could have actually happened. To begin, there are 20 different times that the Bible talks about the king and his heart being hardened. 10 of these times it talks about God hardening the heart of the king, and the other 10 it talks about the king himself hardening his own heart. The first two times that it mentions about the heart of the king being hardened in Exodus 4, verse 7, when God tells Moses that he will harden the heart of the king. Moses wasn't even seeing the king yet when God told him this. In Exodus 7, verse 3, it says that God will harden the heart of the king even though God is doing signs and wonders in Egypt, the king will still not listen. You see, God gives the freedom to choose. And at the same time, God knows the hearts of human and can anticipate their responses. Just like it says in Jeremiah 17, verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God sometimes gives people over to themselves and their desires because they have chosen that path, not because God wants them on that path. It isn't that God wants people to choose sin and to walk away from God but wants all to know Him, as it says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Even though God wants every single person to love Him, He will not force them. He will not cross over the line of people having the freedom to choose. Even though God does not want it, He will eventually give people over to their desires if that is what they continually choose. Think of the Israelites later in history. They are the people of God, yet they continually choose other nations' gods around them. God pursued them over and over trying to bring them back to Him, but they chose to play the harlot with other gods and nations. After so much pursuit from prophets and wonders, the Israelites turned their back to God. God gave them what they chose, which led them to their destruction. The same can be thought of with the king of Egypt. The first one to harden the heart of the king is the king himself. The king chose to harden his own heart and so God gave him over to his choices. Even with the plagues, God knew that it would harden the heart. By just showing himself to the king through his power, supremacy, love for the Israelites, through the signs and wonders, would all work together to harden the heart of the king. Because the authority of God was coming against the authority of the king that he himself thought he had. Oftentimes, the kings of Egypt were placed in positions of divinity over the nation and its people. This can be seen when Moses and Aaron go to the king for the first time to tell him to let the Israelites go. The king says in Exodus five verse two, "Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. The king didn't see why he should submit himself and his gods to an unknown god. So simply God being himself makes the king of Egypt harden his heart because it could be that he feels it's a personal attack on the king and his Egyptian gods. With that, after 40 years, Moses then sets out to go back to Egypt. On their way back, it says in Exodus 4, verse 24, that they stopped at a lodging place. The Lord met Moses and tried to kill him. The man that God just sent to be the one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt was about to be killed? In Exodus 4, verse 24, it says that the Lord, most likely Jesus before his birth, sought to kill him, but his wife Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of circumcision. The Bible doesn't say why the Lord was going to kill Moses, but we can see that the circumcision of their son put an end to the Lord seeking to kill Moses. There are many thoughts of this incident. First, many scholars debate who the Lord was seeking to kill. Although it is assumed that it was Moses that was about to be killed, others believe that it was the son of Moses that the Lord was going to kill. In the Hebrew language, the verse only says that the Lord sought to kill him. That's it. Scholars believe that all this has to do with is the circumcision of Moses' son or the lack thereof. What many believe to happen is that Moses neglected to circumcise his son, as God had told Abraham that he and all his descendants would need to be circumcised or they would be cut off from his family. But then, what son is it? It says in the Bible that Moses packed up both his wife and sons, sons being plural. Moses had two sons, Gershom and Eleazar. Gershom would have been the firstborn son. One of the reasons that some say that it was the son of Moses that the Lord was trying to kill was because in Exodus 4, verse 22 through 23, it says that God tells Moses the words to say to the king of Egypt. But in verse 23, it's thought by some that God could be talking to Moses about how God would kill Moses' firstborn son. But that's really taking that one verse out of context to fit a scenario. But whoever it was that the Lord was seeking to kill, scholars say that it was an illness that was causing him to die. However, even that is debated. The next thing that happened is that Moses' wife takes a sharp stone, or a knife made out of a stone, and circumcises one of their sons. This would remove the idea that it was Gershom being the one that the Lord was seeking to kill, because if Moses' wife only circumcised one son, that means that the other one must have already been circumcised. This would be that Eliezer was not circumcised. Some say that the reason that his youngest son was not circumcised was because his wife, being a Midianite, thought the whole thing to be a little barbaric and did not want to do it to her second child, as she had done it to her first. And that because the youngest son was still a child, the responsibility of the circumcision was on Moses, the father, and that is why the Lord seeked to kill him. Others say that the reason that his son was not circumcised is because the Egyptians also had circumcision, but not fully like the Israelites did, and that Moses wanted to forget his past by rejecting the Egyptian ways, but he also forgot the covenant that God has with Abraham. But this doesn't make too much sense because one of the sons was circumcised. The issue with not being circumcised was that it was basically rejecting the covenant that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his descendants. The rejection of this was for the male to be cut off from his people. After Moses' wife circumcised her son, she threw the foreskin at his feet. Again, the original translation of the Bible only says his feet, not Moses's. This then brings up whose feet were they? It's commonly thought that it was Moses' feet that she threw the foreskin at. But others have suggested it could have been her son's feet or the Lord's feet so that he would stop seeking to kill him. It can even get more confusing when the word feet is looked at. Sometimes the word in Hebrew that is translated to English to mean feet can also mean something else. This Hebrew word could also be a mild or a nice way to say genitals meaning that Moses' wife threw the foreskin of their son at his genitals. However, looking at the context of the Bible, when the wife of Moses threw the foreskin at someone's feet, she immediately talks to Moses. Therefore, it's thought that she actually threw the foreskin at Moses' feet, then said, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. This could mean that through the blood of her son's circumcision, she purchased Moses' life through their son's blood, Moses' life was saved from death. And with that, the Lord no longer sought to kill him. And again, his wife said that he was a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Some scholars say that even though God called Moses to be the spiritual leader for the Israelites, that he must first get his personal life in order. Therefore, before Moses was fully able to teach God's law to the Israelites, he must himself be living out that law. Once the procedure was done, the Lord let him go and no longer sought to kill him. In Exodus 4, verse 27, it quickly turns from Moses and his family to Aaron, who, just like God had told Moses, was listening to God and seeking Moses in the wilderness. And when they finally met at the mountain of God, most likely Mount Sinai, they kissed one another. This was a traditional way to meet a close relative at the time. Here, Moses told Aaron everything from the words to say and all the signs to do with their words. They then left for Egypt, in which they gathered all the elders of Israel. Aaron then spoke to the people and showed them the signs, and they believed. In Exodus 4 verse 31, it says that when Israel heard that the Lord had seen their affliction that they bowed their heads and worshipped God. But other translations say that they rejoiced and worshipped God. Either way, the Israelites knew that their God was coming to bring them home. Now that one of the biggest objections of Moses was removed, the Israelites believing God sent Moses, he now had to go to the king of Egypt and let him know that his free labor was on its way out of Egypt. So join us next time in episode 26, A Royal Confrontation. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you were to take a few moments of your time and rate and review the show. And be sure to follow it, too. Also, tell your friends and family about it. If you would like to reach out to us to leave feedback directly or to let us know how the show has impacted you, check out the links in the show notes. You can also follow us at Nikael Productions. To those that have taken the time to leave a rating and a review, as well as give feedback, thank you. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.